Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. As an investor in search of yield, where do you look today? Well, one of the easiest things is to give your money to other people. How does that work and how can that be profitable to you? That's what we'll discuss today. And we have a great guest on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Memphis, Tennessee is a market that delivers in more ways than one. As home to FedEx, Memphis is one of the largest distribution hubs in the world. That means working class jobs. No wonder Memphis is one of the best cash flow real estate markets in America. And the guy in Memphis who can deliver great affordable cash flow turnkey properties is Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. That's turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. It may not be obvious, but your retirement account is the power to work miracles, if only you'll let it. Hi, it's Robert Helms, and Russ and I are excited to invite you to Planning for Prosperity, a one-day educational event taking place in beautiful Orlando, Florida on Friday, October 2nd. Hosted by New View IRA, this alternative investment symposium will cover a wide variety of topics from a great panel of speakers, including Rich Dad Advisor and best-selling author Ken McElroy, IRA custodian Glenn Mather, attorney Joel Nagel, and the real estate guys back for our second year. Discover how to get started investing inside your retirement account, how to move from earned income to passive income, and where to find great deals suitable for your IRA. Tickets are just $99 and all profits go to the Wheelchair Foundation. Get the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com under events where you'll see Planning for Prosperity. We can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host financial strategist, Russell Gregg. Hey, Robert. You know, we're in the middle of this uh, series, we'll call it, in search of yield. How do we find yield as real estate investors? It's harder and harder to get return, especially when we find out that a lot of the residential markets are squeezed. Cap rates are being squeezed down on apartment buildings of all shapes and sizes. Uh, Single-family home inventory has been scarce in the investment world, uh, and that's not necessarily a long-term problem, but right now, we're looking at other things you can invest in. So today we're going to talk about a very specific kind of investment you can make, and that isn't to own a piece of real estate directly, but to invest in somebody else's deal. Yeah, you know, if you really think about it, there's a lot of benefit in recession. There's a lot of benefit in pullback, and it's not always what you think. It's never any fun. So for example, if a company begins to experience a pullback in sales and they begin to get their profits squeezed, because we're talking about in search of yield, they really take a hard look at their operations. They really begin to squeeze all the fat out. They get lean, they get mean, they get efficient, they get better, they get skilled, they put in automation, they do all kinds of things. And it's part of a natural healing process in an economy. The downtimes bring out creativity in people to become better and more efficient. So right now as an investor, if you're finding yourself squeezed in search for yield, it's an opportunity to become a better, stronger, smarter investor if you embrace the process. Everyone can make money when markets are going up and we get sloppy, just like in your analogy of a business. If everything's going well and sales are coming in, hey, you don't look that closely. I remember we went through that in one of our businesses business units. And when we hit a slow turn, we looked at all kinds of silly things we were paying for that we didn't even need to be doing. Stuff that people had signed up for on a recurring basis that we don't even use. I mean, all kinds of that stuff. But you know what? We're making so much money. Who cares? As a real estate investor, you need to care. So how do we invest in someone else's deal? What we're not talking about today is just giving your brother-in-law 50 grand and saying, hey, let me know how it goes. We're talking about a structured real estate opportunity called a private placement. When you can invest alongside usually a seasoned practitioner, someone that has track record, someone that has access to more deals than you, and usually of a bigger scale. This is a great way for you to sit alongside that person, but not have to be that person. Yeah, I mean, and that's really the key because most people, there's two, there's two categories. You can either be an investor, meaning you're busy doing your life, you're working, you're running your business, you're raising your family, you're doing all the things that you do and you've got excess money because you make a lot of money and you live below your means and you're saving and you need that money to work. Obviously banks are not giving you a yield that's any good. Bonds aren't giving you a yield that's any good. You could put your money in the stock market which is a way to give other people your money but man that's been a wild ride and it's affected by things that are so hard to understand and you absolutely can't control. I mean who really understands what's going on inside of China? Everybody's saying China 
China is causing this worldwide stock market decline. All right, well, let's say that's true. How in the world do you, as an individual investor, have any idea what's going on inside of China? Or how do you do anything about it? Exactly. So, you know, the idea is how can you find a way to put your money to work where you don't have to personally manage it? So that's on the investor side, right? The other side of it is on the entrepreneur side. The entrepreneur side is you're a guy or gal out there, and maybe there's a lot of you in this audience that's flipping houses, that is managing a rental portfolio, that are doing value-add deals, that are maybe buying and selling private notes or doing private lending. There's lots of different ways. And you're probably making better yields with greater stability than what your counterparts on Wall Street are offering the general public. And that's really the point we're trying to make here. Guys like you, guys and gals like you that are out there creating these better than average profits, less risk, greater return, have largely been invisible to the investor community who has only had Wall Street as their option. But now we have the benefit of this new law that we've been talking about for quite some time through the Jobs Act. And if you haven't seen that report yet, you can send an email to monopoly at realestateguysradio.com. It's monopoly at realestateguysradio.com and, and get informed on that. But the idea is now that a whole world of investment opportunities in the form of private placements have come available. And the big, big benefit is not just that you can tap in to these kind of deals that have these higher returns and are based in real assets, but you eliminate so much inefficiency. I mean, those big buildings on Wall Street, those huge bonuses that you read about, they come from someplace. Right. And guess what? They're coming from you and your investments. A private placement is a great way to get closer to the deal. You're not as close to the deal as if you were doing the deal. And, and again, for many real estate investors, they want to do the deal. But there's a lot of times you can come alongside a successful real estate investor, learn a ton, and also have the benefit of a bigger deal without having all the risks. So when you invest in a private placement, you have less obligation and less liability. But the flip side of that is you have less control as well. So it's important that you really vet the sponsor, vet the deal, understand exactly what you're investing in, what the timelines look like, what the minimums are, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But that's really also a matter of perspective, Robert, because if you are the type of person who is uh, sending your money to your 401k or a mutual fund or putting it in the hands of a manager who's giving it to Wall Street, you have no control. If you are the person who's actually doing the deal, you're the real estate entrepreneur, you have complete control. The in-between is to be able to be passive and yet be very close to the deal so that you have the opportunity to know the person who's managing the money, to look at the actual deal and see if you understand it, and maybe even have some input. You may not have control, you may not have a vote, but you've got a relationship. And in real estate especially, it's so much about relationships and the ability now for the people who are purveyors of private placements, the people who have these opportunities to go out into the marketplace and see seek investors who have capital has never been more open. And I believe that there's going to be more and more and more of these kind of deals coming available. So it's a great way if you're out there looking for better yields on your capital, it's a great place to begin to investigate. Well, and let's spend 30 seconds on what a private placement is not. It's not a real estate investment trust. So we often get Wall Street guys to go, yeah, I'm in real estate. I own several REITs. Well, a real estate investment trust is the antithesis of a private placement in that it has more fees, more layers of management, more bureaucracy. Not saying a REIT can't do well, it can, but it's a big, typically publicly traded vehicle that has all of that stuff you talked about with that wall, and it's a Wall Street vehicle. So that's a way for a stock investor to diversify a little bit by industry. It's not a private placement. A private placement is a lot more nimble. There's a lot you can do. And so typically the idea of it being a higher yield is that the deal's stronger, the deal's better, the deal's bigger. Most private placements aren't to buy one single family house and rent it out. If you're going to do that, well, it is going to be burdened with some of those costs. But as soon as you're able to do a bigger deal that you couldn't have done on your own because it takes $4 million, but you can put 100000 of that $4 million in, well, now you're playing with the big boys without being one. Well, this is probably one of the biggest advantages of private placements, and uh, there's a couple more. We should probably mention things like privacy, very private, and if you structure it properly, it's extremely private. Uh, but the real opportunity is to have that sweet spot because, you know, to the big insurance companies, the big mega players, the people who are involved, the REITs that are out there buying hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate – 
they're not interested in those little three and four and five million dollar deals, right? Those are out of the reach to mom and pop investors, big to them, but small to the big players. And so there's a sweet spot that you can play in where you get some benefits of economies of scale, but there's not enough meat on the bone, if you will, for the big guys to pay for their fancy offices. And so again, I go back to this notion that private placements in that sweet spot range are the opportunity for an investor to put their capital in the hands of a private entrepreneur who is much more efficient than Wall Street, and yet in a position where they're not competing with Wall Street, and they're not competing with what we would call dumb money, the frothy money, the mom and pop investors that get the bug and go out and bid everything up to where it doesn't make sense or speculating on, I'll sell it a year later for $100,000 more without doing any work. Um, and we're kind of coming back to those days again. And you have to be careful. That's part of the reason cap rates are squeezed right now is because you have people aggressively moving into a space that are bidding up beyond where it makes sense. Smart investors are looking for alternatives. And that's really what private placements give the entrepreneur an opportunity to do is to go out and find little niches and find little infill projects and little things they can do where there's not a lot of competition and then bring those efficiencies of the model and the extra profits of the deal directly to those private investors. One of the things I love about investing in private placements is it gives me a lot of diversity I wouldn't have otherwise. I can be in different markets. I can be in different product types. I can be in different demographic areas without having to learn the intricacies of every single one of those as long as I get the right sponsor. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When we come back, you'll meet Mauricio Raul. He's an attorney that helps people put together private placements. We're going to turn things around and ask him, what do I need to know to invest in one? Today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hello, this is Dave Leniger, co-founder of Remax International. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. This week in our series of Finding Higher Yield, we're talking about investing in somebody else's deal, what we might call a private placement. And let's welcome back to the show, attorney Mauricio Raul. How are you? I'm doing great, Robert. How are you doing? Very well. Now, uh, let's think about this uh, as an investment. Many of the folks you help and your law practice are putting together private placements. So you work with the sponsors. Today we're talking about if I'm looking for yield and maybe I'm busy and I want to leverage what someone else is doing, I could be an investor in one of these private placements. Right, absolutely. I mean, even though the, my clientele puts these together, I do get a lot of people calling me to sort of review deals that they're going to be going into, whether they're clients or not. And so I do get a little bit of the perspective of, you know, what is the investor 
looking for when they're investing in one of these deals? So I think the first thing is let's kind of talk through some of the paperwork and demystify that. Uh, when you've got a deal you're looking at that typically comes in the form of a summary of some kind, executive summary, can you talk to that document? Yeah, so the executive summary is really a fancy term for a, a marketing document, a prospectus. It, it essentially outlines what the deal is, who the players are, what the yield is, all of the information that a prospective investor would look into in order to make a, an informed decision. It is primarily a marketing tool. It's not really a legal document. And so I try not to mess with it too much, but I do want to make sure that all of the information that's contained in the executive summary is complete and thorough so that we're not misleading anyone. And you have to watch out for things like blue sky or assumptions or the kinds of things that might get your clients in trouble. Yeah, that's the big one. Most people don't think of it that way, but you know, the, the, the big thing we try and avoid is, is what's called the anti-fraud provisions. And, and that sounds, well, of course, I'm not going to commit any fraud, but it's, it's not just committing fraud. It's leaving out important information that should be in there. Or as you mentioned, making some representations that maybe are a little bit aggressive and not giving the proper disclosures as to what the true risks are when I'm making those aggressive projections. You know, I think it's an important document because how this typically works is you get in a conversation with somebody, maybe someone you know, someone you met, someone you referred to, and they go, oh yeah, we've got this apartment deal or we've got this land deal and here's what it looks like and these are the expected returns and this is the timeline, but that's just verbal. The executive summary actually puts that in writing, so now you have something to refer back to. Right, absolutely. But one of the things that the executive summary tends to lack is really most of the, the risk disclosures and the risk factors. And that's where all the other documentation comes into play, like the private placement memorandum and, and so forth. So again, it's a marketing tool. You want to present your deal in the most favorable light. But when you're investing in someone else's deal, keep that in mind that what you're looking at is really the, the, the fun stuff or the good stuff and make sure you're paying attention to the disclosures that'll come somewhere else. And quite frankly, a lot of people don't like to read those because they're a little bit boring, but they are critical to understanding and making the executive summary complete. Yeah, good point. If, if you're not interested at the executive summary level, there's probably no reason to request further documentation. But a good sponsor, a good promoter, a person that puts these together is going to have their executive summary, which will talk about the market and what the project is and all the things you spoke about. And then once you say, you know, yeah, I'm interested, now you get to the other documents, the subscription agreement, private placement memorandum, maybe an operating agreement, depending on the way the company's set up. So what are those documents and what is it people should be looking for? Well, th those documents, again, are really all the ways that the particular deal can go wrong. Um, that's why it's not a fun document to read. It's not something that people like to pay too much attention to. But I, I always tell clients and, and even some of my students who, who come to the seminars, your executive summary has to be so good that it has to overcome the private place memorandum. Right. No one is going to be investing in your deal based on the private place memorandum, or we call a PPM. Uh, it's an important part of it. But a lot of investors say, well, send me the PPM, send me the PPM, send me the PPM. And again, the PPM isn't going to be something that's going to actually sell someone. It's, that's, that's the role of the executive summary and also your presentations and, and so forth. You know, we refer to this as a private placement because it's not a public offering. It's a private deal. But the private placement part of it is different from the private placement memorandum, which is the, all these disclosures you're talking about. And again, part of what I look at when I look at those is I can tell from reading the PPM if they've hired the right attorney. If they, if obviously the person knows securities laws and they're giving me proper disclosures and yeah, they're going to tell me every possible way I can lose my money, which I appreciate, but you're right. I have to be sold enough on the deal that I'm be willing to go through all this paperwork. And once you've done that, that part of it's pretty simple, right? What the actual mechanics of all are of getting invested. But a as you're helping someone put these together, you know, if we were talking about the syndication side, we'd be talking about exemptions and particular rules and so forth. But from the investment side, I think we don't need to talk about that. From the investment side, I think what we need to do is first cover the topic of accredited investors because certain syndicators reach out to only accredited investors and others don't. Can you explain that? Yeah, and it's really twofold. One is the level of risk, to be quite frankly, involved in reaching out to accredited investors only versus reaching out to both accredited investors and non-accredited. There's a certain risk risk factor associated with that because anytime you're taking somebody's money who is not accredited, those investors uh, tend to be a little bit more, in general, problematic sometimes if, if the deal doesn't go right because you're dealing with a much higher percentage of their 
money. And they could be less sophisticated and less practiced and all that. And from a legal standpoint, that's true as well. So the law um, regards accredited investors, whether that's right or wrong, they regard them as sophisticated and they know big boys, they know what they're doing, as opposed to non-accredited investors, the law assumes that they have no idea what's going on, which is why it requires so many disclosures. So one of the reasons they only reach out to accredited is because of the risk factor, but also it, it depends on the exemption that you're trying to obtain. As I always tell folks, when you're doing a syndication, uh, you either need to register it, you need to find an exemption, or it's illegal. And so when we're looking at exemptions, one of the factors we look at is whether somebody is going to be looking to accredited investors only or gonna, is going to accept non-accredited as well. Now, depending on when you're listening to this and, and where you're listening, I mean, we're talking primarily about United States law and other jurisdictions. There's other similar requirements and some there aren't any. It's the, the Wild West or the Wild East. But in the case of someone looking to invest in the U.S. and they're looking at this information and depending again on time, today in 2015, what is the definition of accredited investor? Good point, Robert. This definition tends to change quite a bit and there's some, some rumblings that it may change again. But currently, uh, an accredited investor is anyone who has a net worth of over $1 million excluding their primary residence or an investor who earns $200,000 a year for the past two years with a reasonable expectation of earning that same amount this year. And if you're married and have a spouse, you can include their income, but that, at that point it, it jumps to $300,000 a year. So generally the idea is these folks are financially sophisticated enough to have accumulated net worth and, and capital and they're earning good money. And so the government's saying, all right, well, if, if you're doing that, then you're probably eligible to invest in certain things that folks that aren't at that level aren't. But it doesn't mean that if you're not accredited yet that you can't invest. So what additional issues, safeguards, problems, realities are there for a non-accredited investor looking to invest in a private placement? Well, other than the limitation of just getting in, as we just talked about, the other things that non-accredited, really accredited too, need to worry about is just, you know, who are they investing with, right? Who is the team or who is even the issuer behind the investment? Uh, you want to make sure that they're, you know, you're taking a good close look at their track record. And by track record, it doesn't necessarily mean how many syndications they've done, but have they been doing this on their own account, using their own money, and they've essentially run out of their own money and want to now go and, and expand, or maybe just expand their operations and they're looking for more cash. Uh, but that's probably the most important due diligence factor you can do is, is find out who's doing the deal and what kind of experience they have in, in that type of investment. Yeah, that's such a good point. The, the sponsor is generally the term we use, the person who is putting on the orchestra conductor of this investment. Sometimes we use the word promoter. Sometimes we'll throw around this term syndicator, but it means that's the person who is structuring the investment and putting together the team. But usually it's not a single person on the team. You're looking for more depth than that. It depends on the nature of the project. If a syndication is as simple as buying a single family house with three or four investors and we're going to hold it for the production of income and the sponsor has a 20-year history of owning and operating single family rental homes, well, then they probably don't need this giant team. On the other hand, if it's a real estate development project or if it is a land play or it's agricultural or it's industrial, now you're looking to have a little deeper team. Team. Yeah, and, and even if it's a multi, you know, a lot of my clients do multifamilies, and so obviously the the management team who's going to actually manage those multifamily apartments is is a key component of that team, uh, especially if you're in a marketplace that you know that the sponsor is not located in. So all that information is just information you can gather by interviewing the the sponsor, but also just doing a little bit of digging around. I mean, it's not that hard these days to Google someone or, or find out who the team is and Google them, but it, it's, it's critical to, to go ahead and do that. Well, let's talk about apartments because the premise of this entire series that we're on is that cap rates are down and it's harder to find good residential deals. But what's great about the apartment market is there are markets and there are apartment complexes that due to their economies of scale and their size are able to return better. So I might not be able to find a 20 unit apartment building that's going to work, but maybe there's a 400 unit apartment building some, somewhere that does have the kind of yields. And this is a way to get involved with those types of deals. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the deals that I see from my clients, they have tremendous yield and tremendous opportunity because you do have those economies of scale. And at that level, you're competing with less people trying to take down the property. And so you can get it at a better price. Uh, you can do more with it. You can renovate. You can you know, invest a little bit more, more of money in there, get the rents up, get the occupancies up, and, 
uh, by the time you're done in a couple of years, then the yield has really gone up. So it's not it's not uncommon to see some very attractive yields, especially when you're comparing it to you know the stock market or treasury bills or things like that. Well, and back to vetting the sponsor, there you're relying on this person and their team's ability to turn that asset into the return you're looking for. So even more critical, you don't want to have a sponsor that's only done duplexes and fourplexes and is now is after a 400-unit apartment building and says, well, I need more money, so I'll get more people. You want to make sure it's someone that's done that kind of business. And I think the point is a good one that you might find someone that's in the regular business of putting together real estate syndications, right? You and I both know a lot of folks like that. But you also might find someone who's got a great interesting niche and they've taken it as far as they can in their own account and and you know you might get a, a caution when you say oh they're out of money that's not a bad thing if they've deployed their own personal assets into a different number of properties and now they want to leverage that into a bigger property that could be big but how important is it to look at how much capital the sponsor has in a deal well, I think it's critical. I mean, you want to make sure that your sponsor has some skin in the game. You know, you don't want a sponsor. And again, that's part of vetting the deal and the paperwork. The last thing you want to have is a sponsor who puts the deal together, takes all of his or her fees up front, and then whether the project does well or not, it doesn't matter. You want somebody who's, you know, investing right alongside of you. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that they've got some kind of skin in the game, in addition to being compensated when the project does well, it gets paid when you get paid. Yeah, that's a good point. The sponsor can get paid in a multitude of ways, all of which should be disclosed to you. So sometimes you get a sponsor who takes an acquisition fee. They're out there finding a property, working in a market, looking for professionals to help, kissing a lot of frogs in the brokerage community, and that's worth something. So it's possible they might take a brokerage fee. If they're not a broker, they'll take an acquisition fee. And same thing on reversion when they sell the, the property. Those, that could be a way they make fees, but a lot of uh, promoters don't do that. Instead, they have what we call a promote or other fee that's at the beginning of the deal. And then at the end of the deal, they're going to make some percentage of the return. Now, some deals, of course, have ongoing cash flow. You buy an existing apartment building and there's cash flow and we're going to split that on some basis. Other deals like ground up construction are we're going to buy the land, we're going to build, we're going to sell, and then we're going to get the money back. So talk about the splits and how that, how what there, a variety there is in that regard. That's one of the more exciting things about either putting these deals together or investing in these deals is there's really no there's no limit. You can be as creative as you want to be. And so, you know, a lot of people, like you said, take something a little on the upfront, maybe a due diligence fee, like you mentioned, acquisition fee. But from there, the splits can be, I've seen splits anywhere from 50-50 to 80-20, 90-10 sometimes. A lot of first timers feel like they want to get the experience more than the cash. And so they take a lot less and get most of it to the investors. Uh, but you can do preferred returns to you investors. You can do waterfalls where you, you know, the first amount of money is split a certain way and then another tranche gets split a different way. And again, always trying to make it as an incentive for the sponsor to do well. And that's really one of the things that I would be looking for is like, does the, does the sponsor get paid when the deal does well? And does he get paid more as the deal does better? Or is the sponsor trying to take everything up front? Um, which, at which point the incentive for that sponsor to, to continue doing what he's doing is a lot less than if he had, was investing right alongside the investors. Yeah, that's such a good point. I always like to look at this kind of a deal and say, where does the sponsor get paid? And is he on my side of the table, right? If we get paid success together, that's a better thing. I know the first few syndications that I put together, I made the mistake of not taking any fee up front. I got everything on the back end. And the reason was I'd spent years in residential real estate sales and investment sales and as a real estate agent, you got paid when the deal funded and closed. You didn't get paid ahead of time. So I kind of liked that. I kind of liked the fact that I knew all my work had been done and my I's were dotted and my T's were crossed before I got my check. So when I got into syndication, it was the same thing. It's like, hey, I'll win when you win. What I learned is that was pretty irresponsible of me because as Several people pointed out, what happens if you get hit by a bus and you haven't put in provisions for there to be capital for someone else to run the business? So when you're looking at these promote fees, these due diligence fees, just ask yourself, is it reasonable? If someone's raising $2 million and they're going to get a loan for $3 million, it's a $5 million deal and there's a promote or an upfront fee of fifty dollars or $75,000, well, that's probably reasonable. They need to run their business. They need to be able to get up every day and, and stay on track and get the work done. If that same deal has an upfront promote of a million dollars, well, maybe not, right? But here's the key. You want to make sure that your promoter, if you're the passive investor, has the incentive 
I see a lot of folks sell themselves short and maybe because they don't have a lot of experience, they say, well, I'll give, you know, 90% to the investor. You don't want the promoter to wake up one day and go, you know, what am I doing this for when, when the money gets all the return? Right. I mean, there's, there's plenty of deals out there that don't necessarily go, go wrong, but may, maybe aren't the smashing success you thought it would be. And so then, then if you're taking, the sponsor's taking all of the money on the back end, then you're in a situation where, like you said, you know, what's the incentive of me to get up in the morning and do the work here? Uh, maybe he's got other syndications going. Maybe he spends a little bit more time on the other syndications. So you, you want to make sure that the syndicator is incentivized to go do the work. And you just want to be careful about that. I mean, a promote fee up front is reasonable. Three to five percent is kind of what I see in general. So like you said, if he's, if he's taking 10 percent or more, it, it, it's a red flag. But uh, again, that's just another point on the curve for you to look at when you're analyzing a deal. We're talking about investing in other people's deals. Attorney Maurice Arold is our guest. When we come back, we'll have more information for you, some good stuff. Plus, we'll play Real Estate Trivia, a chance for you to win a prize next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. When the housing market crashed in 2008, San Antonio led the way in appreciation and cash flow. Would you like to have a strong, reliable investment that performs in both up and down markets? Cash flow is the key to successful investing and we have tons of positive cash flow properties for our ATW investors. Come see why the Milken Institute rated San Antonio the number one economy in the United States and why San Antonio is the only major city in the country to have a AAA bond rating. ATW Investments can teach you strategies for building strong, secure wealth with investments starting at $5,000. ATW's patented, proven, and powerful system will do all the hard work for you. ATW is where the perfect market meets the perfect strategy and produces the perfect results in your portfolio. To get started, go to the resource section of the Real Estate Guys website or email us at contact at atw-investments.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program that are more downloaded podcast on real estate investing. It's part of our series today on finding yield. Single family homes and apartments are kind of squeezed in a lot of markets. So what else can you invest in? Today we're talking about investing in other people's deals. They've gone to the trouble to find a great market and a great property and they need some help with the capital. Is that something you can do? Before we get back to our interview with Mauricio, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer or want to take a guess, Send us your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer is going to win a copy of Tax-Free Wealth, the great book from our mutual friend, CPA Tom Wheelwright. That can be yours if you know the trivia question today. Before we give you that, last week on The Real Estate Guys, we talked about finding yield by looking at hotel and resort investing. Here was our question, name the largest hotel in Mexico. Well, it's the Moon Palace Golf and Spa Mexico in Riviera Maya with 2,457 rooms, which eclipsed the Hotel Moon Palace in Cancun at 2,133 rooms. And at those big number of rooms, neither hotel is even in the top 30 hotels in the world by number of rooms. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. The black-capped chickadee is the official state bird of two different U.S. states. Which ones? Which two states in the U.S. share the same official state bird? 
I tell you, 19 years on the radio and trivia questions every week, I'm digging deep. But there are two states that have the same state bird. If you think you know which those are, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and your physical mailing address so that if you win, we can send you tax-free wealth by Tom Wheelwright. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking with attorney Mauricio Raul about investing in somebody else's deal. There's lots of ways to do that. Some as informal as, hey, I'm going to give my brother-in-law 50 grand, all the way up to I'm looking at a full private placement memorandum that's uh, raising $200,000 minimums to a total of $4 million. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do this. So let's talk, Mauricio, about where people get the money. Lots of people can invest with cash, but also this is one of the places that you can use your retirement funds. Absolutely. And I see a lot of that, uh, a lot of my clients will make a conscious effort to remind their prospects that even though they may not have actual cash in the bank or in the stock market, they do have their retirement accounts. And there is a mechanism, and a lot of people don't know that, that you can invest in pretty much anything these days with your IRA. Uh, most of your limitations are imposed by your custodian, who are typically brokerage houses. Uh, but if you do want to go and invest in real estate or in private placements, it can be done. You just need to go find a self-directed custodian and transfer your account over there. But this is this is a market that a lot of my clients are tapping into, and I see it more and more uh, as the word gets out. Now, is there anything that the sponsor has to do to be able to accept retirement funds? So if I'm looking at investing in someone's deal and there's no mention of retirement funds, does that mean I can or it means I can or I have to find out more? You definitely want to find out more. I mean, the only limitations you have, if you're considering investing with your IRAs, the, the main limitation you have is that you still cannot benefit from the investment. So it's still your retirement account. It's still meant for your retirement and you still cannot personally benefit. So if you're making an investment in a syndication, for example, that has some kind of personal benefit, then this investment is not for you. So a lot of clients of mine are doing resort syndications where uh, not only do you get to invest in a resort product, but you actually get to go and enjoy the product okay. where they're investing. Uh, but if you're using your IRA money, that's not something you can do. Doesn't mean you can't invest, actually. So I don't want to make the distinction that you can still invest in the syndication. You just can't go take advantage of that additional you know, week or two, whatever they're offering for you to go stay there. Um, and then the other limitation is quite simply that you have to make sure that your custodian is the one who's actually entering into the deal and is actually signing all the documentation uh, because it is, your again, your IRA that is investing in the deal, not you. And you really have to think about it as two different entities. One is you and one is your IRA, completely separate. Well, and like any entity that you're representing, you need to make sure you're signing the documents that way. Say you have your investment capital in your IRA, but then you just sign Joe Smith. You can't do that. There's a lot of those kinds of rules, but but you'll figure that out if you're uh, using IRA funds. You know, I talked about kind of the brother-in-law deal where, hey, you know, me and my buddy from college or my brother and I want to go in. We don't need all that paperwork because we know each other, Right. Wrong. Um, a lot of people think that uh, family members uh, are excluded or maybe the size of the deal is it's not it's not large enough to, to warrant this. Uh, there is no exemption to registration. And remember, we talked about everything needs to be registered or, or exempted. There is no exemption for family and friends or for size of the deal. So always, again, always make sure that you're complying with the securities laws and, and don't get persuaded by folks out there. And I, I hear them all the time that uh, paperwork is not required because of the size of the deal or because this is just my close friends. Now, let's talk about the difference between in the U.S., federal law and state law. Is there anything that the person putting their money into a deal needs to know about that? If you're the person putting the money into the deal needs to know about that, uh, it's primarily on the on the syndicator side. Uh, there is a difference. Uh, most of the securities laws are federal laws, but you still have to worry about the individual state laws, depending on what state you live in. So most of the time, most of the exemptions that we rely on, I don't want to get too technical, but the federal law preempts state law, meaning that the state laws really don't apply because the federal law trumps it. And we now only have to worry about the federal law, except for the anti-fraud provisions. So and that's why we pay a lot of attention to anti-fraud. And again, not that you're defrauding people, but just making sure we're not making pie-in-the-sky uh, claims or we're not being complete because that is something that the state still retains jurisdiction. And if some state regulator gets a hold of your executive summary and sees that you're promising 25% returns without the proper risk disclosures, that may be grounds for a state regulator to, to go in. But most of the time we focus on the federal level. So if you're looking to invest in a syndication, just keep that in mind. All right, good stuff. Now we're talking about 
private placements, but there's other ways that you can be alongside someone else to invest. A lot of people today talking about, for instance, crowdfunding. And I know we've had you on the show talking about that, and you've certainly spent some time as we have getting our minds around crowdfunding. But uh, imagine I'm out there at one of those crowdfunding portals, and there's a, a real estate deal because a lot of them are about uh, real estate. Now what do I need to know, shifting gears a little bit, to uh, invest in somebody's crowdfunded opportunity? Well, I don't think anybody really has the answer to that, Robert, because as of today, that form of crowdfunding using a portal is still not legal. Right. And one of the reasons it's not legal is because the regulators are still busy drafting all the regulations that go along with it. And so the idea is, the big picture idea is that there are going to be these funding portals whereby syndicators can go put their deals into. And from an investor standpoint, instead of dealing with the syndicator, you're going to be going on one of these portals, which will be mostly internet-based. And it's going to be like Kickstarter. You're going to be able to go rummage through as many deals as you want. And, and if you're interested in real estate, you can go find out real estate deals. Uh, but what those particular uh, regulations, requirements, um, we still don't know. And, and the last I heard, it's probably not going to happen until the end of this year. Um, so as soon as those rules come out and regulations come out, we'll have a better idea. All right. Well, look for that, uh, and we'll continue to uh, keep our ear to the ground on that because uh, it could be a game changer, and maybe not. A lot of people are looking at that. Now, uh, upcoming in January, we've got our Secrets of Successful Syndication. Uh, you're one of our uh, primary faculty members at this, obviously covering all the legal side. And most people that attend the syndication event, frankly, are looking to syndicate deals. But I think it's an excellent educational event for someone who's in the seat we're talking about looking at investing in a syndication because you're going to learn a lot of the how-tos and how-not-tos. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the great educational events that uh, the real estate guys put on a couple times a year. And what I found is that it, it, there's so much education that people tend to come back more than once in order to sort of digest all the information. It's very difficult to go in. Um, without any experience and come out of that and feel like you can go do one right away. It's very, it's a little bit overwhelming. So that's why we see a lot of people coming back two, three, four, five times until they get comfortable in syndicating. Cause I, I do deal a lot with first time syndicators and that's kind of the, uh, the feedback that I get. You know, one of the things we talk about at that event is probably a great way, if you're interested in becoming a syndicator, to get it figured out is to invest passively in someone's deal to start. Then you know exactly what it's like to sit on that side of the table. You get to see what the communication is like, what the paperwork's like, what the process is, customer service, reports, all that kind of stuff. A big advantage to investing passively is you're not doing all the work, as we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, but at the same time, your work is up front. You want to vet the deal for sure. So uh, are we going to count you and your family in for the Investor Summit at Sea in 2016? Always, always. I, I almost never miss it. I think this will be my eighth one that I've attended. So we'll absolutely be there. Can't wait. Uh, just a great group of people. And it's great to get around like-minded people. Uh, I learned so much from that event myself. So looking forward to it, we, me and my family. All right. Good stuff. Well, Mauricio is a practicing attorney. He specializes in two things, helping people with asset protection, entity structure, and all that kind of stuff, and syndication. If you want more information on to reach him, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on the button that says resources. Under there, you'll see resource network and just go down to Premier Law Group and Marisa Raul. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me back, Robert. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way for you to get everything you've dreamed of? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2016 Goals Retreat, taking place January 8th through 10th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2016 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com and register why there's still early bird pricing. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723 today. 
Hello, real estate guys, listeners. This is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. I want to talk to you for a minute about a handful of properties that we are selling right now in Metro Atlanta for less than $30,000. That's right. These are houses that we bought and have already fixed and have placed tenants in these properties, and we are now selling them for less than $30,000. These are properties that are not in the hood. They are not bad areas, and we've got a very high demand for tenants in this location. And right now, we are selling these things for less than $30,000. Most of these properties are getting between five dollars and $600 in rent per month, so your ROI is through the roof. On top of that, if you have interest, we would own or finance you on these deals as well. Call me today, 770-924-5450, or email me at ken at gainvesting.com. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys, especially right here when we're in our In Search of Yield series. A few more shows on that because uh, lots of places you can find yield today. Uh, always good to hear from Mauricio Rold. Yeah, Mauricio's great. Um, we've obviously known him for a very long time, and he's helped us with a lot of different things over the years. But uh, he's actually the guy that originally brought to our attention this this new law. He he came in and uh, shared way back in, uh, I think, 2012, when the Jobs Act first passed, he got into it and he said, hey, this thing has really lightened up the restrictions on purveyors of private offerings to go out to the marketplace and solicit investors. And so we said, wow, that's interesting. And it led to this report that we mentioned earlier. So the fact that Mauricio has been in this space for a long time is great. And of course, as a faculty member in our syndication seminar, he, he actually works directly with guys and gals that are wanting to become syndicators and maybe they've been successful in real estate investing on an individual basis and they run out of they've run out of money credit and now they're looking to share their skill and expertise with investors who have capital put to work and Mauricio helps people put that together well that's the perfect person you're looking for you're looking for a sponsor a promoter who has experience they don't have to have raised tons of money but they have to have done a lot of deals they have to understand the niche that they're in if someone brings you a deal and it's in a particular neighborhood or a particular demographic and you say, well, great, what have you done before? Oh, well, nothing in this area. I come from another state and I do self-storage. Okay, well, then maybe they don't have the expertise, but who's on their team? A lot of what you're going to look at is not just a single person. There's someone who, where the buck stops, but it's teams. Teams of people help these kinds of deals happen. Well, clearly. I mean, you know, when you're uh, pitching a company, my dad was a high-tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, and he wasn't a technologist. Right. He was a manager. He was an executive. And what he did is he put together a team, and he went out, and he raised $10 million to start a semiconductor company, which at that time was a record in Silicon Valley for a startup semiconductor company. And what he was touting was his team. He picked the best technologists, the best best high-tech marketing people, the best finance people. He put them on a team and he pointed to his team and then he explained his business plan and why it made sense. And of course, that's a heck of a lot more complicated than anything you would want to do in real estate. But the idea is that you need to understand who are the people who are going to be making the decisions about how the money is put to work and what is their qualifications, what is their expertise. And the great news as an investor in private placements in real estate as a common sense individual, you almost always are going to be able to understand the fundamentals of the deal. You understand a real estate market. It isn't that complicated. You can understand the business model of a rental property or a rehab or a development project. And when they show you the pro forma and they show you the numbers and where the profit's going to come from, you can look at it and ask yourself, does that make sense? The next level is you could take it to somebody, third party, who has some degree of expertise in that particular thing. Do these numbers make sense? Are they verifiable from third party? This guy says the property taxes are going to be X. That's easy to verify. Right. They say the interest rate on the loan is going to be this. That's easy to verify. There's lots of things that are fairly easy to verify. So the due diligence that you would do as an investor in these types of properties is probably far easier to do than anything you would have ever done in the stock market. But even more important, I'm guessing most people who've invested in the stock market have never done a lick of due diligence on anything they invest in. No, of course not. It's easy just to throw your money at somebody and you assume that the safety of Wall Street is that there's rows and rows of desks filled with people looking out for your best interest 
and that's just not true. Here you have someone as a sponsor of a private placement whose outcome should be aligned with yours. And we talked about that with Mauricio, but you want to make sure that you're on the same side of the table, not opposing sides of the table. It's not for everybody, but it is a great way to build your experience resume. If you're a new investor and you're thinking, I could just go find a market and buy a couple single family houses, might make sense instead to put that same capital work in a bigger deal with a proven promoter with a track record. It's just a way to shorten learning curves and a way for a better than average chance of return. Well, I think that learning curve thing you mentioned is really important because a lot of people who want to learn, one of the great ways to learn is to make an investment with somebody that's willing to allow you to kind of peek behind the curtains a little bit. I know you did that, Robert, in the beginning stages of your career as a real estate developer. And if that's important to you, because even if you're never planning on doing that business, the more you understand it, the better due diligence, the better understanding you're going to have when you're placing money into those types of projects. So if you decide that you're going to be somewhat specialized in a niche, it would be really important, I think, to, to do that. And so one of your questions you would do when you're evaluating a particular investment is to ask the sponsor how involved you could be in terms of exposure to what's going on in the decision-making processes and some, seeing some of what goes on under the hood. If you're interested in that, right? Lots of folks, uh, my story, I invested passively with a few different deals and then I got the bug and started doing deals and that's a great way to go. Some of you never want to be the person doing the deals and that's really what this show is aimed at. Either way, we'd love to invite you to the Secrets of Successful Syndication. We're going to do it again in January of 2016. Most of the people that come to that event are interested in putting together these kinds of deals, but it is a great event for someone thinking of investing capital into a syndication to learn what is involved, what questions to ask, and what the people who want to do it are being taught. Absolutely. You know, and, and we get people who take this thing over and over and over again, and it's exciting because the market changes, the opportunities change, the people themselves change as they evolve in their knowledge and their experience, their understanding. We mix up the faculty constantly so that we're getting new angles and we're talking about new things. And we do have a lot of the man in the street. You know, we have the guys and gals that have actually been sitting in the seats in previous sessions that have gone out in the real world and done real syndications and gone from student to implementer. And when you get a chance to hear from those people, it becomes a lot more real life. A big part of education isn't just learning how to do something, but it's elevating your belief in yourself that you actually can do it. And once you believe you can, you start moving. And when you move, you learn by doing. And that's when you take your dreams and turn them into reality. Our private placements for you? Well, only you can decide that, but hopefully we've whetted your appetite today. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, we're still in search of yield. We're going to be talking about commercial real estate investments. There's a variety there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Big thanks to Marisa Roll for sharing his time and expertise today. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.